0: chance, one life, one take, little room for
1: mistake. Who do you want? Run to be? away while
0: you can. Who do um, you want all right. To be? Hello and welcome to the Dead Funny Dead Series podcast. Uh, this is a series called 30 End of Life Doulas in 30 Days. My name is Mitzi Weiland and I am your host today. Uh, today's end of life doula that we are going to be interviewing here is uh, Laurie Zaspel. Zaspel? Did I say mm-hmm. it right? Yep. Perfect. Uh, uh, She is with the Philly Death Doula Collective. We're just going to dive right into this. Lori, um, if you want to just start off with a little bit about your decision on becoming an end-of-life doula.
1: Sure. Um, About eight years ago, I had a crisis of career. Um, I had spent most of my 20s working in coffee shops doing everything from like barista to managing multiple locations and found they really enjoyed certain aspects of it, but I couldn't really picture myself doing that long-term. And I started thinking about, well, what am I actually interested in? And I've always been um, captivated and interested by complex and taboo subjects. So what are the most taboo things that we deal with? Well, sex and death. And I decided that I'd rather work in the latter. So I started doing a lot of volunteering, a lot of research. I was looking at thanatology programs. I was volunteering at a grief center. Um, And eventually, after talking with a lot of people, I decided to go to social work school. Around that exact time is when I found out that death doulas existed. But knowing I had just been running a lot of businesses and knowing that being a death doula would involve me running a business... I decided to go to school to avoid having to run another business. So I went and got my MSW. And after I graduated with my MSW, I was like, this is a good time. I landed a solid job. And I said, I would really love to expand my experiential knowledge and take it from the academic to the person to person. And that's kind of how I ended up there. I'm fairly certain that I learned about end of life doulas from the order of the good death and Caitlin Dody.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Fairly certain.
0: Many of, of my people. roads lead back to her. <laughs> I think a lot of people uh, learn that through the order of the good death as well. We'll see. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I love that you, you know, went against having another business and then here you are with another business.
1: Yeah. Uh, the side hustle thing for social workers and therapists is real. Um, very often, the best way to pay your bills is not to have your own business immediately, and and understandably, lots of folks you know want to stick their baby toe in first. Having run and opened brick and mortar businesses before. I knew that it was hard. <laughs> uh, I knew that I didn't know everything I needed to know to do that right away. Um, and sometimes knowing what you don't know is just as important as knowing what you know and how to use it. So I think I made the correct calculation for me. In that case, I was frankly a little burnt out. Um, there's a customer service aspect to running a business like that, that I love and flourish in. But one of the reasons I left food service was because it was was burning me out. So I really needed to make sure that my cup was almost full again before I started pouring from it. And so for me, honestly, school and training and learning is restorative.
0: I think that's really important uh, to hear that many people have a job And then there are death doula on the side Mm. Um, that the death doula is a side hustle and or you have two side hustles, right? That most people aren't simply one career or another coming from.
1: Absolutely. Um, Yesterday I hosted a death cafe and it ended up being a bunch of death doulas, which I loved. Um, And we just had a really lovely, frank discussion about fears about this, the practicalities about this and just. The fact that the vast majority of what I do right now is educate other people on what I can do
0: <laughs> right.
1: um, versus doing it, which is, I'm completely comfortable doing that. I think it's actually a strength of mine. However, I think it's something for people to be aware of. You know, you don't just hang your shingle and the dying roll up, say, I'm ready. Sometimes they do. One person did (laughs) for me, but COVID also complicates that, right? Like this is already a complicated job, vocation, career, however you would like to look at it. But COVID made it much more difficult for doulas to even have access to dying individuals. Not impossible, but difficult.
0: Yeah, great point. We are recording this right now at the cusp of a year. We're a year in to COVID, and it made mm-hmm. an already difficult uh, journey into end of life doula business um, or calling profession. Right, like you said, um, but so many people were training at the end of twenty nineteen. It's been just a booming business. All these people were getting trained, and then this year happened, which just made it so complicated. And now we're at the cusp of, okay, you are going to be able to start being in person. Death doulas actually have been uh, vaccinated in many, many states as of today. Uh, We are recording this in March uh, 2021. And, you know, we are looking at, like, what are the challenges going to be? What are the opportunities going to be in the next year, the next two years? And how are they going to like hold on to this and really use it for their benefit or advantage in a way?
1: Yeah, or to the benefit of us all. You know, where are the gaps where we can be of the most service? Um, And that's going to be a highly individual question, right? Because every doula has different strengths, different background, different experiences, different style of practice. and so identifying those gaps and identifying individuals and families chosen or otherwise that can are open to that assistance um that is an area for growth for me i can say um but i think for us as a field as well
0: absolutely and uh, you you have it right there with networking and marketing a business where so many people are uh, have death anxiety or death death adverse and so already i mean we're at a all right it's already hard to market network if you are just um an accountant now let's put another piece a uh, layer on top of that right which is death and so many people are just they're not willing to talk about it and that's okay and we have to be understanding there but so mm-hmm. i think it's even more important to have conversations like this where you have uh, you know, I, I think we're just walking right into it where you said, What are your strengths? So, Lori, what are mm-hmm. your strengths uh, as a deaf doula as we're networking <laughs> right now with
1: you? <laughs> yeah, that's such a big question. Um, you know, 20 minutes ago, I would have probably had a list, but no, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, I think that my social work background is a strength. I I know exactly what a hospice social worker does because I've done it. Mm -hmm. And I also know the limitations of that job and I know where I can squeak in and I know very well some of the stressors of that job and how I can alleviate the stress of their hospice team. So I think that understanding medicine, understanding healthcare, so many nurses get into this field. I think that's a huge strength. Um, I also think. As a therapist, something that I do relatively well, I I hope, Mm -hmm. is um, honesty, (laughs) Um, gentle, kind, blunt honesty. Mm -hmm. I don't lie to people. I ask them if they want to know. I'm not just unleashing brutal truths on humanity, usually, but that is something I think my friends and family and people I've worked with. Would identify about me. I will tell you what I think, um, what my best guess is, and I'm also quite open to being wrong and to learning as we go. Um, one of my favorite things is meeting people where they're at and going on that journey with them because, well, first of all, it works best that way because then the. <laughs> They feel like they have some control and autonomy and dignity, and those things are incredibly important to me. However, I also get to learn along their journey too. And as they learn, I often learn. Um, And it's such a privilege and an honor to be able to do that. So I guess that's a long way to say I think my social work training and my perhaps inherent blunt honesty (laughs) tempered by that social work training our strengths. I'm a pretty decent communicator. And so I do tend to err on the side of let's learn together. Let me share what I know. And then you tell me what resonates with you. And we can use those things as tools. I'll also research anything. So my last client that I had, his family was just feeling so inundated with nickel and dime decisions you know all the little things that build up as you approach death all the decisions and I think his daughters really loved like being like Lori please give me a list of five grief therapists and I truly felt useful to do that for them to take that off their plate so I guess if you want to research, researchy, blunt, social worky,
0: <laughs> death doula, I'm your girl. You're the person. Yes. Yeah. And I, I love that. I think you really just highlighted uh, the benefits of being a social worker and a death doula. Uh, is there any challenges that go along with being a, trying to split those two up?
1: I haven't come across them yet. I think sometimes there are boundary issues that, that my social work ethics, um, come into play. And I'm, I'm very upfront with people about that, where I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not going to respond to texts overnight. I will respond in 24 hours to any email. If it's an emergency, you need to tell me it's an emergency, because I will not live tethered to my phone unless we're it's a vigil situation. Then we've discussed that as well. Um. So no, I think the answer ultimately is no. I think those things are quite complementary for me, especially because they're both non-medical roles. I no very i feel very inherently like what i what i consider out of bounds for me and i don't have a problem saying that's out of my scope it would be unethical for me to do that for you
0: excellent uh that goes along with your bluntness right it's you can have good boundaries with that um yeah you can answer this uh or you can choose not to um is have you felt any pushback from the hospice social workers for you being side by side?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, this hasn't come up too often in my actual practice, but it comes up a lot on the internet, actually, um, where like someone will comment on like a TikTok that I've made, for instance, and say, I'm a hospice social worker. This is why death duel is blah, 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 whatever. And it's really fun for me to say, I'm also a social worker. That's so cool. I love, (laughs) thank you so much for doing this work. Because there's really no reason for the friction. We are not in competition. I am not in competition. I have one client. And I know every single hospice social worker has, I'm going to say minimum 40, often many more. and. If there's only one thing I can offer these people, it's time. That's it. That's what this comes down to. There are gaps that are not being filled. And hospice care is amazing. I love it. I admire it. It's a thing I'm extremely passionate about and constantly trying to get my clients to utilize. But it's a partnership. And there are hospices who know and recognize that and are eager to build relationships with Gulas. We've been talking to a local hospice for quite some time about how we can collaborate and we sort of put that on hold because of COVID, because it was just like even their hospice social workers weren't going into homes for a minute there. We are now returning as as you alluded to. But I think it's time to to have those conversations because I think. Many of us, look, we live in capitalism. We need money to survive in capitalism. But I don't choose to use my death doula work to meet those needs. I use death doula work to meet the emotional needs of the dying and their families. And I try to do that in my day job too. But the realities of capitalism sometimes preclude that. In my death doula work, I will never let capitalism get in the way of doing that if I can. You know, we have our blind spots, but that's something I've said to hospice. I am not after the money that you get. I will do this for free. I work on a sliding scale. We will figure this out. That said, hospices are money-making businesses too. Even the nonprofit ones, you know, that's that's not, somebody's taking home a paycheck and we need to think about how to meet the needs of the individuals in those services the best way possible. That should be our ultimate, is this the right thing? Is it meeting their needs? Some of that's systemic and a single dual is never going to fix systemic racism or white supremacy or capitalism, but... I can certainly try to operate outside of it as much
0: as possible. Wow. I love all of that. Uh, That's amazing. I think you really just highlighted uh, both things that it's really, you know, there's easier ways you can collaborate with social workers in hospice. You can, and, and try that. And then there's some pushback on the other side. So you're really highlighting that it's, It's both and, right? We're going to bring in our therapy skills there. And I also just heard some hope. So we're just going to slide into that because I think that that was just so perfect. Uh, I know that you are working with uh, a collective of doulas. And so I know that social justice is big in your practice. And can you say a little bit? You started already, and I just want more uh, people to hear that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so... Social justice is something I think about a lot. Um, I am still learning. I am never going to claim to be an expert in all of this. I'm wrong a lot. That caveat aside, if our goal as individuals working in end of life is for folks to have a good death, then we also need to examine all of the things that keep them from having a good life. Mm -hmm. And again, I didn't invent this, you know, um, there are plenty of doulas saying similar things. And when I heard them, I'd been, I think we'll all be saying these things in our, our little groups, our little enclaves, you know, the co-founders of my collective and I were all social workers actually, and social justice is part of our training. It's something we discuss explicitly to varied levels of success (laughs) and internalization, but we brought that to this practice and we thought how do we make this more fair how we how do we make this more equitable and accessible and we've borrowed from a lot of other social justice minded organizations so you know it's not just having a land acknowledgement it's not just having equity and inclusion in your values of your organization it's not just having a sliding scale it's always being open to being wrong it's always being aware of the myriad privileges I have as I walk through the world and it's about recognizing the connection between patriarchy white supremacy and capitalism and the reason that death duels even exist so There was a time when in every community, there were people like us, many people like us who understood how to work with grief and loss and death and to serve individuals who were dealing with it. We could go really into deep history here, but medicalization, professionalization, all of these things separated us from the realities of life and death. And in some ways, perhaps we prefer it that way, but there's a wounding that happens when you separate yourself. There's an anxiety that can never be quenched. There's so much work to be done in reconnecting ourselves with, honestly, ancestral ways. I don't know. I'm I'm German ancestrally. I have no idea how germanic peoples dealt with death and dying none i don't even know how my grandma dealt with it because nobody talked about it so there's this there's this knowledge and thirst on my part of like we used to know how to do this and now we're in a place of
0: relearning
1: That's how I view social justice in this work is that every individual deserves a life. Sorry, my dog's going to knock this over. (laughs) Every individual deserves a life that they build and choose and have some um, equity and power and dignity in and they deserve all those same things as they die and you can't do one without the other. Like it's ridiculous to suggest that we can get individuals good deaths if we're not also thinking about poverty and inequity and all the other myriad issues.
0: Yeah. Like you said, uh, this could this there's so much to this piece, <laughs> right? And we're trying to get this all in this little tiny blurb here, right? So everyone can learn about as many doulas as they can. But I I do see in the in our future, uh having this conversation on a wider um mm-hmm. Uh, platform. So, uh, if you're up for it, I'll be up for it, and we will we will continue that conversation because I think it's important. Um, and anyone that's um, ready uh, and willing to to be there and to show up for that type of um, either podcast session or a panel, I'd love to see a panel of uh, end of life doulas that are you know ready to show up and be uh, present in that work. And then I also see a little bit of. I'm German and I don't know either. So I think we could dive into that, Laurie, and see what happens. <laughs> it gets um, a little scary because the Nordic stuff got a little co-opted. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we are just, we're relearning. And I thought that that was a really beautiful piece is that we used to know this. Mm-hmm. And now we have to relearn it, right? Some of us. Um, so here we are. And Gosh, this was just so fun. I heard that you uh, heard in there that you don't like competition, but um, you know, TikTok, uh, we're just going to, I'm going to challenge you my six followers. So you're, I don't know how many followers you
1: have. <laughs> 37.7 K.
0: Okay. I think there's a challenge going on. <laughs> I, I ever heard one before I just started. And I actually think I uh, duetted you at one point because yeah, you you brought up TikTok and I was like, I actually think that I I do edit you for one video. I've made like five, so we will continue that. Yes, I love to yeah, so Follow you, right? Um, so all <laughs> of your information. Um, Again, this is Lori Zaspel uh, from the Philly Death Doula Collective. All of her information is going to be in the show notes below, um, and you can also find that on Dead Funny Dead dot uh, com. We're going to have all your information on there so they can find you. Okay. Uh, including your TikTok channel. What is your TikTok channel?
1: Philly death doula.
0: Philly death doula. All right. We're all going to follow Keeping you. Keeping it and simple.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: We're all going to all just follow you and engage and it's going to be amazing. So um, a huge thank you uh, for sharing your how and why of becoming an end of life doula. Um, uh, to the listeners or watchers of this, because this will be on YouTube as well. Uh, if you're enjoying the series, please, uh, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe, like, um, or leave a review. It helps us make more content like this, which is uh, contributing to this important conversation of ethical and life care. Uh, and then you can jump on over and join us also on Instagram and TikTok um, so we can get to know who you are and um, why you're interested in this topic. Um, that's all that we're going to do for today. And then we'll see you in, on the next episode
1: of The Thank you.